Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Q&A with Bishop Julian. You're here with myself, Javina Graham, and my faithful colleague, Jeremy Ambrose. Hello. Hi again. And we're here with Bishop Julian to now grill him with some more tough questions and get some really great answers. So our topic this week is about faith and science and how they play a role in our common world today. Um, I think over the, over the past centuries and certainly in the, in the past hundred years in our modern world, there is this increasing trend for people to believe that faith and science are incompatible and that if you, if you prioritise one, you have to discard the other. Bishop Julian, is that the case? Are faith and science mutually exclusive? Well, my immediate answer to that is is no. They should actually be complementary to to one another. But it's it's understandable why people think there should be a separation because they think the ways of thinking with science, with examination of facts, of collecting of data, of anal- analysing things, that's got to be a particular way of approaching the universe and and approaching truth then they'll say well somebody who has faith they're just kind of living out of a spiritual realm they're living out of interpretation they're living out of a sense of uh, of of seeing the world in a certain light because of what they believe and so it's understandable why people can tend to separate the two however the the very basic uh, starting point I think needs to be the fact that science and faith are both both seeking the truth about things, the truth about reality. Maybe we could say they're coming about things, uh, coming to things from a different angle, but they are both seeking the truth. I think we need to say really from the outset, faith and science are complementary ways of approaching and searching for truth. And they should not contradict each other because the truth is just one. Right. Well, having that in mind, Bishop, how do we approach the question of, uh, for example, the description of creation that we have in the book of Genesis, and then also the acceptance of evolution as an explanation of how things developed. Yeah, this is the, the issue that comes up so often when we talk about the question of, of uh, science and and faith. And again, I, I think we have to say, what are the truths that are being presented here through science and, and its efforts to to approach the question of the, the, the reality of the universe as we know it today from the point of view of scientific data that's been collected and, and evidence that there seems to be some sort of evolutionary process at work. And at the same time, when we come to read the book of Genesis, we see there a description of, of the fact that, that the creation, that the, that the world came about by a creative act of God. So we can say, again, they're coming out of things from a different angle, but we don't have to, again, presume that they are completely separate realms of truth. I, th- I think firstly, we, and I think it's important to say that that science will amass information, and particularly it's amassed a lot of information that suggests evolution. And we always have to say that evolution always remains a theory it, because there are still so many gaps in evolutionary theory. And, and the, the very basic issue is, I think when I look at the question of evolution, are we saying then that every single thing emerged from one initial 
cell molecular structure? How did the complexity, the, the magnificence of, of, of the, the created universe, of the universe of, um, and certainly of, of, of life, how could that possibly just say that it's just evolved, particularly in some sort of work of chance? Uh, if that's a bit of a philosophical question, but I think it's a very real question to ask. Clearly, there are evolutionary um, trends that, that can be found over the, the period of, uh, of, of the existence of the physical universe. But can we presume then that everything can only be explained in an evolutionary way? When we come to look at uh, the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis isn't dealing with the how so much of creation. It's saying, it's really looking at the why. It's really looking at why did why did, did why does the universe exist? What's its, its ultimate origin? And what's its ultimate meaning and value? And, and of course, this is where the book of Genesis talks about the creative action of God. And I, and I think immediately we can sort of say this, the book of Genesis is describing how the universe has its its sense of order, its sense of purpose, because there has been a creative hand at work, the creative uh, wisdom and plan of God in bringing about, bringing about, create reality as we know it. Wow. Okay. So if we're to look at it, in speaking that, speaking about the creation and reality of that, on a much more macroscopic level, I think every day there seem to be new developments about the universe and, and planets out there and. And, you know, the Big Bang Theory is, is quite a huge component of, of science today. How do we reconcile that with our faith in God? Is it possible to believe in things like the Big Bang and other universes out there and still believe in God? One of the things I think we all get amazed about as, we, as science re- reveals more things, and particularly as astronomy kind of uh, shows us just the, the size and, and the extraordinary um, aspects of, of the universe beyond just our own immediate planet. It does raise questions. How, how can we possibly understand that, that, that this is, um, that, that we are all important, that, that this, this one speck, if you like, in the, in the immensity of the universe is, uh, is, is the whole center of God's activity. Uh, and, and so I, you can understand how people say, look, there must be, uh, it must just be a vast reality that we can't grasp. But it does point to, I think, the magnificence of God that that in creating in, in creating the universe, He created one place in the universe, and that was the place where His great creative action was to take place in the creation of, of human beings. So when I look at the universe, I don't see it as the, the immensity of the universe. I don't th- see it as challenging what we find in the scriptures but rather just showing the immensity of the, the plan and purpose of God. It's, it's beyond our understanding, it's beyond our, our grasp. So I, I tend to take the approach of marvelling at what science discovers and, and seeing that, that God's creative purpose is far greater than we could ever have envisaged. Hmm. Is, if, if that's the case, why is there a common world view that, or that the church is against science? And um, you hear a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, look at, look at history, look at what the church has done to hinder science. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the Catholic Church and, and science and, and if there's any you know, scientists or, or what the Catholic Church has done to support this, yeah, this science in this world? Yeah, I, I think um, 
that's another question that that it's um, that history can show very clearly that in fact the Catholic Church has always been a great promoter of of science of human development in all sorts of ways, and uh, indeed uh, as we look at Western civilization, uh, which has often been the, the 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 leader in the promotion of science, the development of the scientific method, the development of universities, all those sorts of things largely came out of Western civilization, which was largely inspired by Christianity. And what we see also is some of the great scientists of history were profoundly men of, of faith and, and, and they brought to uh, their approach to science a Christian view of, the, of reality. See, one of the things that a Christian understands when you look at the idea of creation, we, we say, if God has created, he's created with a purpose. There is a sense of order about creation. Things are, are, are in harmony with, with each other. So things aren't random. Things aren't just um, left to chance things. So, so when, you have, when you have a Christian faith, you believe that there is a certain order, pattern to reality. That means you can apply a scientific method to search out what is that order. And so, so on the basis of Christian faith, Science actually has been able to be fostered and developed, particularly in the Western uh, culture. So we see there's a number of uh, scientists. A num number of scientists were um, were priests. Uh, Copernicus, Copernicus was a priest, for instance. Kepler was a priest. Um, people like Newton and, and Pasteur were both men of, of, of deep faith. So, so what we see is that um, a number of scientists, it was actually because of their faith, because of their awareness that there is an order, a pattern to the universe, could actually apply their minds and come up with great discoveries which advanced the whole cause of science. So I don't think we should say that uh, you have to suspend your faith when you're a scientist. Quite the opposite. I think a man of faith will, will come to the whole question of science with a sense that there is a whole creative wisdom uh, which ultimately emanates from God to be discovered and found in science. And, and actually, science then becomes a source of discovering the greatness of God. One, uh, one fellow I think that we, we all admire about, uh, in terms of science, was Albert Einstein. Mm -hmm. there wasn't a, he wasn't a, uh, a Christian, he was a Jew, but he had the same essential faith that, um, that we would have about God and about, about creation. He made a very interesting comment. He said, science without religion is lame and religion without science is blind. In other words, they need each other. Mm. And I, I thought his insight was, uh, was, was, was a very good one in, in this regard. I think that's so interesting that you mentioned Copernicus because I think now he's kind of hailed as, as you know, one of the, the people that really um, developed the heliocent the solar-centric um, sun-centered view of the universe and in the face of people who told him he was wrong. And I, that, I think that's amazing that he was a man of, he was a priest, did you say? Mm. That's amazing. So uh, people of faith don't, shouldn't be dismissed as scientists, do you think? I think? Not at all. Not at in all. fact, quite the opposite. I, I think a person of faith actually um, can, can be a great scientist because they really have, from the point of view of their faith, and a sense of, of the creative work of God come to to look at the universe in whatever realm of science they may explore 
but come at it with that sense of wonder and to say, I'm going to discover something about the greatness, if you like, the genius of the creator in this. And it actually enables you to explore the universe, not just as a piece of, uh, of hardcore um, reality, but as something that's reflecting something greater. Mm. And, and I think that that sense of wonder should also accompany all scientific exploration because science isn't just seeking to control things, science is seeking to discover. Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Jeremy, we'll always have this little part of our... Um, of our Q&A session, where we just look at a little piece of, I suppose, trivia or, or some curiosity about, uh, about, about our faith, about, uh, about the Catholic Church. Um, one sort of thought I'd like to put out today, it's a little bit relevant at this point in time, and that is, uh, do you know the country that has the biggest Catholic population, the largest number of Catholics uh, in the world? Shall I take a guess? You can take a guess. Ireland. Wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you oh, can do no. better than that. Uh, I'm not going to say Australia. The uh, biggest uh, number of Catholics. What, what country has the largest number of Catholics in the world? It must be. It must be somewhere in South America. It is. It's Brazil. Brazil. Oh, wow. Brazil is the country that has the largest number of Catholics, and that's a little bit uh, relevant for us at the present moment because um, at the World Youth Day in Madrid. Uh, Pope Benedict announced that the next World Youth Day, which is only going to be held in two years' time, um, in 2013, in July, of actually, of 2013, is going to be held in Rio de Janeiro, which is, uh, of course, in Brazil. So um, I think it's going to be an extraordinary uh, experience for all the young people who are able to come because we'll be going to the country that is has the largest number of Catholics uh, on Earth, also, we'll be going to South America, which, of course, as we know, is, is largely a, uh, a Catholic continent. So it should be an extraordinary experience of, uh, of the Catholic Church. Wow. Bring your party hat, Jovina. I can't wait. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit credio.org.au.